0: well everyone i still find it strange when i'm talking by zoom not to have your uh, lovely faces in front of me but um, i know you're there so that's great and i've got something that i want to say to you about this hugely important passage that we're going to read tonight so i'm going to read to you from matthew chapter 11 starting at verse 20 to the end of the chapter i'll read it uh, carefully and thoughtfully and we'll focus on it it's only what 10 verses or so i won't talk about context i want to talk about the content of this little passage the words of the lord jesus hugely important and that we can divide into two so we will first consider verses 20 to 24 that he spoke on one occasion and from 25 to 30 that he spoke at a similar time in a similar place Matthew 11 and 20 then he began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent woe to you Chorazin woe to you Bethsaida For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades, For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say to you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Come to me, all you who labour and are heavy laden, And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest in your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. And Matthew. Puts these two accounts. Next to each other. To give us a balance. Of the two aspects of the heart of God. His justice, on the one hand, meted out towards unrepentant mankind, and on the other hand, the amazing and wonderful words spoken to those who will come to the Saviour, and a glimpse at the close fellowship between the son of god and his father in relation to those believers those who are going to be his children so these two halves these two contrasts related to two opposing attitudes towards god these two things are our subject tonight the sin of refusing to repent of wrongdoing in the face of evidence is what God hates in men and women. If you think about it, the justice system, which on the whole is very good, we should be thankful for in our own land, in our own society. That's the basis of it. To acknowledge sin, and to accept the consequences of it is something that god loves but to refuse to repent in the face of the evidence leaves god with only one option to judge the sin of the individual who refuses to acknowledge god so in tonight's passage the lord jesus looked for repentance in the presence of his mighty works. That is the point. He speaks of mighty works repeatedly. And those who refused in the face of it were a source of sadness and yet anger and warning of forthcoming judgment. And God has always been like that. He is just but he is also merciful to those who repent and turn to him you remember the threefold parable in luke's gospel about the lost sheep the lost coin and the lost son and while there is there a clear uh, exposition of the heart of god the father the son and the holy spirit that heart that longs to forgive and to recover and to bring back yet the rejoicing in heaven that the lord jesus speaks of is for repentance it's repentance that he looks for and repentance must be uh must be felt in the heart of all those who 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 wish to come to god it's vital so the first part of the passage for tonight is how that the savior looks for repentance in the light of his mighty works, in the light of knowledge and understanding of seeing the evidence of who he is and the judgment of those who refuse to repent, first of all. And secondly, the second group, his attitude towards those who do come to him, of those who do see the gospel and his glory and respond to it and the difference is enormous the the attitude towards those who do believe is that of a loving father and of a a loving shepherd who cares for his flock for his children so what a contrast in the two halves that matthew puts together for us of god's character into in the passages for tonight the day of judgment then lord jesus speaks here of that day the day of judgment in verse 22 and what is tolerable and what is less tolerable or more tolerable in that day of judgment so there is undoubtedly punishment in mind in in the mind of god for sin just judgment upon man who refuses to repent refuses to come back to god and we'll look into that in greater depth as we go through the passage regarding that day of judgment of which the lord jesus was speaking we find the subject is raised again by the apostles we can learn in greater depth about this day clearly it will happen at the end of human history on this earth And there is a very important passage in Acts chapter 17 that I want to turn you to, where the Apostle Paul is speaking in Athens to an assembly of the wise, the great, the the fathers of Athens. And he tells them in no uncertain terms what God expects from all men. This is Acts chapter 17 and verse 30. And I want to read it to you. <clears throat> Acts 17. We're breaking into Paul's speech at verse 30. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked. But now commands all men everywhere to repent. Because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world In righteousness by the man whom he has ordained and i'll stop there because that is the central thought i want to pass across from paul's sermon he has got that point very clearly in his mind that his savior taught him god commands all men everywhere to repent because there's coming a judgment on those who refuse to repent in the revelation john the aged seer receives a series of visions from the lord jesus himself and in verse 20 uh, sorry chapter 20 of revelation we see in the vision the lord jesus picturing for him and it is a picture of a remarkable event yet to come so when we turn to revelation chapter 20 near the end of of the book we will turn to verse 11 revelation 20 and verse 11 then i saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. So we find when we look at it carefully that there is a pile of books in this allegory in this picture of an absolute reality an event yet to come so we should visualize what to them was a pile of scrolls but to us a pile of books and they are the deeds of those who did not repent in the face of the gospel message and their deeds are written In those books and they were judged according to those works those deeds as written in those books so there is the judgment day to come and what will happen it's individual you see it is not a, a, a lost earth in total as a bundle of humanity it is individual human beings made in the image of god and yet have turned from God and refused to repent of their sinfulness. So there are just two places where we have confirmation in the New Testament of that day of which the Lord Jesus speaks, and it will be He who judges. So He is particularly speaking to those towns, those districts where He Himself has done mighty works mighty works are the words that he uses although by implication they will have heard his teaching they will have seen how he dealt with people who needed a savior and came to him and found salvation found grace and the people of those towns not the towns not the not the the stones not the streets not the community But so many individuals he's talking to who populated that town, each one who refused to repent, those he is speaking to. And he accuses them of deliberate, blind refusal to acknowledge the evidence before them of his greatness, of his claims on their lives. A refusal to accept the offer that he gave to all who heard him as he went through those towns. And their refusal signed their fate. They are responsible for their own future judgment because they have refused salvation. They have refused to repent. And I'm labouring this for reasons which I think are important. because what the lord jesus is teaching here is that greater responsibility lies with those who understand who have experienced the gospel message and yet reject it so greater responsibility goes with greater knowledge it's a universal principle as the apostle paul said in athens a few years later God now calls all men to repent, everywhere, every human being. There's only one God. So this helps us to understand, and I think there's more that we can go into, to understand how God deals with men, mankind. I think we need to know more of this in order that we preach the gospel accurately, truthfully. Uh, and yet with grace so these towns were greatly privileged just just as I, i would suggest my generation particularly in in england and others in in western countries because there have been i suppose millions of bibles in so many homes in the 20th century in the early 21st century too to some extent where there is a bible where there's an opportunity to go to church where there's an opportunity to learn more about the gospel and now with the internet you can just do a few clicks and you can read all about the gospel without getting out of your chair and so many people are not prepared to do even that and their responsibility is great if they refuse to respond to god's offer of salvation Great responsibility brings, I fear, deeper judgment. The Lord Jesus speaks of Tyre and Sidon, two coastal towns that were wealthy. Um, In the past, I've learned quite a bit about Tyre. Perhaps you're aware of this. A city on a kind of rock promontory in the sea almost an island with a causeway leading to it. Great wealth brought in by ship to this highly civilized, sophisticated society. On its own terms, full of knowledge and wealth and civilization, famous for it, and yet a place that was godless, idolatrous had no time for the gospel that could have been received think think of the relationship between is it king Hiram of Tyre in Solomon's day that they would have heard of the greatness of Solomon and, and the greatness of his God and the claims of the nation to God's protection and care and yet this city went on without Solomon's God and over many centuries that continued so the lord jesus points to the established long establishment the, the wealth and yet the refusal to repent and and he says yet it's even worse for you in in your generation because i'm here said the lord jesus you've seen the signs you've heard from my own lips the gospel and still you refuse to accept it to repent So it's worse for you in the day, the the day of judgment that's coming than for Tyre and Sidon. And then he speaks of Sodom. Well, we all know from Abraham's day in in, uh, the book of Genesis about the city of Solomon. Immoral, depraved, violent, a culture of fear even, I think. Terrible place. And as we know, God rained down physical judgment, destroying that city, because that was what was necessary to stop all the evil that was going on in the city. God had to judge them summarily, immediately in, in the day of Abraham, both as an example of warning to other places and other generations, but also because of the evil, the extreme evil in that city. But the Lord Jesus said, by implication, if He had been there, if they had heard the gospel of His judgment, of of His salvation, it, back back then in Abraham's day, Sodom would not have had to be destroyed because the people would have repented, despite all their sinfulness in the past. So there's hope for a Sodom, even in any generation. There's hope if there is repentance, if there is a turning from sin. So there's hope for the most depraved human being the most human depraved society today individuals in such a society can still be saved in any in any generation, but he says it's worse for you guys, because you have heard me. uh, Teach. You have seen my great works and still you will not repent. Well. This is serious stuff to consider the reality of the judgment of God. One of the things I think that keeps many people from God and from the gospel is that they do not wish to believe that there will be a judgment of their own lives. They do not like the idea that somebody else will decide the outcome of their lives they wish for their own reasons to consider they're good enough that they're okay that they try and help little old ladies across the road etc etc and that will put them right with god but god says no if you refuse my offer of salvation if you refuse to repent then judgment is the option that you have chosen what has your experience been of god's judgment of your views and what the bible teaches have you struggled with it i think many christians do my my own experience as a child is something that i look back on and i think i can see clear more clearly in perspective now than i could at the time but perhaps you had similar thoughts similar experiences i mean i was i was a, as a 10 year old I, I can remember I consider myself to be an experienced and mature believer. You might laugh, but I think many boys and girls who are brought up by Christian parents can can understand the gospel younger than 10. And by that age, after a few years at school experiencing the reality of school life and, and the world outside, they, they can make their decision and, and understand what they believe and what they stand for. So, I really was a Christian at 10, if you like to use that term. But I I, am sure that I knew little and considered little the issue of sin and judgment. I believed that the Lord Jesus had saved me by his death on the cross and, and that I did need my sin forgiven. But I had very little concept of the evil of sin, of how much damage it does to the human heart, particularly over a long lifetime. And my my faith was was based not so much on sin as on the grace and the love of God and the fact that he'd saved me by his death on the cross. And yet, as I think about this, as a 10-year-old, when I went to school, my music master should have warned me about some things just by his demeanor and who he was. He was Jewish. He had been through a concentration camp just five years before, I presume. No, a bit more than that, 15 years before. And here was a man who was 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 withdrawn, gaunt. A, a man who was, I suspect, depressive, remote. Do you know, we call him spook. Poor man. That was the kind of impression we, we got of him. What he must have been through at that concentration camp, I don't know, but they called him Spook, and they teased him, and he was a man who clearly had suffered greatly, one of millions of his people, of God's earthly people, the apple of his eye, and I I didn't realize the enormity of the evil that had gone on just before I was born, so tragedy and suffering. And of course, there is the issue of all those people in Germany who followed Hitler and who enlarged in, in, in and increased the suffering of people, not just Jews. Germany was uh, land of the Reformation, la- land land of, of Christianity, and yet look at the evil that they had allowed to happen, uh, even in the lifetime of some of the oldest people alive today. And and there's more, of course, it still goes on in other parts of the world. Such deep evil, such refusal to acknowledge the Christian gospel. It's still happening 2,000 years later. And how is God going to deal with such people? And and Jesus will judge individually the sins of the 20th and 21st century. And I think we have to say we, we must be content to leave that issue with God. He will decide what is just. What is right? Our job is to comfort those who have suffered, those who are suffering, to bring hope through the gospel. Yes, warning, certainly, for those who refuse to acknowledge it. But the Lord brings a gospel of God's grace and God's hope. And that, I think, is the message, the center of the message, the cross and the work the Lord Jesus did but how much he had to suffer because of the sinfulness, the exceeding sinfulness of sin. At at the same time, then, as we go deeper, further into the passage, we discover the other aspect of God's knowledge, all, all knowing of man's heart and God's previously designed ways with mankind who is going to be saved and in what circumstances so the lord jesus in in verse 25 we're privileged to hear his prayer to the father much like john chapter 17 his high priestly prayer before he went to the cross very similar isn't it in some ways Uh, verse 25 i thank you father lord of heaven and earth that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes So there there is, in the first instance, an action of God who chooses who he reveals the truth to. God makes the first move. God is the instigator of salvation. Some people find that difficult, don't they? They think, well, why is God arbitrary? Why does he choose one person and not another why does he consign some to eternal lostness and and others to salvation why why should he be so arbitrary well as i say god is just and he must be left of course he must with the final decision in such matters now when we read second corinthians in chapter 4 and verse 4 uh, and you, I like, suspect, will know it like, as well as I do. The God of this world has blinded the eyes of those who will not believe. And it's in the context of the light of the gospel that the Apostle Paul says that. The God of this world, that's Satan underlying all the, the, um, the glitter, all the tinsel of the, lo- the blinding false light of the world society. And it's blinded people to the gospel so satan is there doing it but in the background we find the deeper knowledge of god and he hides those who have worldly wisdom he hides the truth from them of the wonderful gospel of the lord jesus and the lord jesus says well that's that's up to you father you have decided but look at the the wonderful appreciation he has i thank you father lord of heaven verse 26 even so father for so it seemed good in your sight and then he speaks about the relationship between father and son and how that the truth is revealed to those that have been chosen those to whom the son uh, wills to reveal him so it's their choice and and how different this is to the stern warning he's given to those who will not repent now he praises and thanks god it's 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 a a wonderful thing he's saying here for all those believers you and me he's thankful for them and to all things delivered to me by my father so the, the 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 son has been given a love gift he's been given you and me by the father and what we are what we're yet to become is God's gift to the son and he exalts in it and we can share in that and we ought to and we must leave the judgment of sinful mankind in God's hands not in our own I'm content to leave that with him and I think that the the the, um, the detail is with God indeed you might say there are millions who never heard the gospel what will god do with them well god is just not all that long ago i had a very significant meeting with a missionary from nepal um very briefly in a long conversation we had about folk who are in the depths of an idolatrous society and and who have never in their lifetime heard the gospel of course until missionaries come and preach the gospel and, and he said it is those who hear the gospel and reject it they are the ones who are lost and he made that point as a believer with great conviction and there I think is must lie the emphasis those who hear the gospel and reject it they're the ones who are lost with a capital l and they are the ones who we must be concerned for and pray for and witness to by our lives by our prayers and by our words now the last part of tonight's passage where the lord jesus gives the call come to me all who labor and are heavy laden verse 28 i think that's so beautiful um I, I just want to think about the blog with you for a moment, the Lancaster Hall website blog. Um, Lloyd has left some thoughts based on this little passage, these words, uh, for me two or three days ago, and I guess for you as well. And and we, um, all of us perhaps ought to be using the blog more. Um, there is some good stuff, very helpful and very um. Uh, and and very um, edifying on the blog since the the beginning of last year and uh, we should read it more but I found Lloyd's thoughts very comforting um, listing those who are laboring those who are laden in so many ways today our society is just as laden as lord jesus society perhaps the details are different but the principle the same suffering humanity with stresses and anxieties trials and problems illnesses concerns accidents poverty so many things and to all the people who feel all those things the lord jesus says come to me and especially to christians to believers it isn't just to those who are laboring in his own day under the law and the extra burden of laws imposed by the Pharisees and scribes by the by the church by, sorry no by the Jewish leaders all, all that was a burden and that was the immediate meaning of what he said and they would understand that the the, the people who had to go to the synagogue the people who were being watched and ruled over and oppressed by the religious authorities they were burdened by it in a way that god never intended and and uh, the lord jesus was speaking to such people but also he speaks to all those with all burdens and and he offers to come alongside them he, he offers if, if you think about the yoke the, the picture the allegory that he's using the kind of parable he's referring to, to oxen working together in the field and there is a long wooden shaft and at the end of the shaft on their shoulders is a cross piece that links the two of them a single piece of wood i suppose shaped on around their shoulders so that the two of them are sharing a burden and walking in step pulling in harmony equally so that the burden of the plough or the wagon is halved. So the Lord Jesus says, yes, that's how I want to be with you. But actually I'm the one who's gonna take most of the load because you're gonna have a very light load. And it's very different from the load that the law as imposed by the the Pharisees is bearing on people. My my load is, is light, my burden is easy I think this is the most beautiful thing that the Lord Jesus is saying I think it's a shepherd heart here speaking to those that he cares for and those who are prepared to come to him what a contrast with the way we started out with our passage tonight well we we don't have the mighty works that the Lord Jesus had we don't have the presence bodily of the Lord Jesus in Berry that they had in Bethsaida. What we do have is the Bible. We have the Holy Spirit living within us. We have the Lord Jesus beside us in spirit. We have heaven ahead of us. And we have this powerful message. And we can call, as the Lord Jesus called on that day, and we can open doors and so to speak we can usher people in and we need to think as i've been using this word allegory which i think is is a valuable one because the lord jesus used allegories all the time basically it's picture language to explain a deeper meaning a deeper truth and and we can think in picture language uh, as we learn from the Lord Jesus, opening doors. We understand what that means, don't we? And you might go straight to the doors of Lancaster Hall and say, Well, we can't open the doors to the people. I'm not talking about the doors of Lancaster Hall primarily. I'm not talking even necessarily about the space within the doors. This is all about human contact. And as things become easier in God's will later in the year, people are going to come out of hiding, allegorically in picture form. They're going to come out of hiding. And as we're being warned, they will be damaged in lots of different ways, principally perhaps by lockdown, but also by the direct impact of of the pandemic. There will be a lot lot of hurt, a, a lot of pain. And we have the answer to the needs of people in, the lord jesus in the gospel so we need to be close to him in order that we can see where he points where he leads where he's with us we don't yet know the detail do we but it may well be that particularly the younger generation will have many many opportunities in 12 months time that they don't have that they didn't have before the pandemic more people perhaps will be open and acknowledge the need that they have not just for help at a physical level but spiritually, and maybe there'll be folk responding to the Saviour through the witness of the believers at Lancaster Hall. So some thoughts from that um, wonderful passage in the Word of God about two very distinct groups of people, those who refuse to repent and those who respond to the call that God the Father has already selected and already given to his son in love for his pleasure throughout eternity um it's almost too wonderful to uh, to to comprehend isn't it the gospel and what we believe but there it is in just a short 10 verses in such depth and such wonder that we've read and thought about tonight so we'll just close with a word of prayer shall we before we start chatting i think let's pray